Hey guys, welcome to the Healthy Six podcast. Um, it is just me today because Kyle has left us to go to Italy for pizza, even though he doesn't like pizza, which is a little bit weird. So in his place, we have replaced him with Lisa. Lisa, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lisa. Um, Travis and I met on a M10 mentorship um, and I've been a PT for coming up to three years. Nice. Where do you PT? Whereabouts are base? based? I'm currently based out of JD Gyms in Berry. Berry. Okay. And I'm going to do this at the end as well, but let's do it now so people don't run away. Where would they find you on socials? Um, my socials is Lisa Kimfit on Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok, which I recently joined. And on TikTok. I didn't know you was on TikTok. I feel like sometimes I try to pretend <laughs> I'm a social media influence and I post my videos to TikTok. So um, that's not that's not gone particularly well for me. So hopefully it's going a little bit better for you because no. <laughs> there's an awful lot of stuff going on in the world over there. So um, so like Lisa said, we met on the M10 mentorship. When was that? Was that kind of like we started what last October, September? Yeah, end of October, yeah. Um, and for those that don't know, the mentorship was like a 12, uh, no, six month program, um, which kind of took us through all those things that we don't learn in what we call PT school. So kind of not the basics, all the advanced and getting into it. And, and so we can use fancy words, but we are going to try and get those fancy words out of today's conversation and keep it basic for you guys. Um, and then we kind of met up at, in what Nottingham, that was February time, wasn't it? When we was all there. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, back in the jam. Yeah, January, February. So we've, um, we obviously stay in touch. So we brought Lisa in today because there's trust in terms of what we're talking about today, the menstrual cycle for you guys. Obviously, I'm educating it as much as Lisa is, um, but I'm not as experienced in it. So she's definitely a wiser head to bring in. So we're going to try and go through all the basics and we're going to talk about how that will affect you in terms of your training, your nutrition, your mindset, your lifestyle, tracking, staying ahead of the curve and just having that all round data. So that's the plan for today. Um, and then we've got loads and loads of questions um, at the end that we're going to cover as well. So um, I can see Lisa's come prepared. So we are going to be on the same same wavelength here and making sure that we're giving you the right information. Um, and as I'm always conscious of this as well, I am going to do the disclaimer. We are not doctors. We are personal trainers. We are potentially online coaches. We are not saying anything here that is prescriptive. We are giving basic guidance that we understand how it will impact your body and lifestyle interventions that will support you. We are not doctors. If you are concerned, then your first port of call is to go to your doctor and not message us or try anything that we have mentioned. Okay. Um, so Lisa, if you don't mind, I reach out to you because I know you're someone that obviously has a menstrual cycle and it impacts you quite heavily, doesn't it, through your phases and stuff like that? Yes. It does. Um, I'm obviously very particular in how I've been tracking it as well. I'm obsessed with tracking my cycle. Yeah. Just to see how it does impact my training, my mood, my food, everything basically. Because we everybody knows that it does, but most people, like most women, just don't seem to be aware of their own cycle. Um, yeah. And that's what I've grown from coaching. But for me, um, as we previously spoke and I previously mentioned on um, other calls like when it gets to sort of the my back end of the cycle before my period everything just feels heightened emotions your temperature rises yeah. I'm personally very breathless I train I can't seem to get my breath at all and lifting heavy just feels impossible for me yeah um, but I know everybody's different yeah of course um, and it's interesting that you say about not all 
uh, particularly ladies don't know how to track their menstrual cycle. That's a really important point because I think we spoke about this on our stress podcast last week with Carl. I actually told one of my clients they're on their cycle and they had no idea. It was like, well, how do you know that? Because they didn't look out for those, what they would just consider normal cycles. So because they didn't necessarily have normal menses or bleeding, as most people probably listen, would refer to it, they didn't know that they was coming up to it. So he's one of those things that's really important, right, is understanding when you're coming up to it in terms of in terms of tracking that stuff. Um now, like Lisa said, I want to give you a little Lisa is one of these crazy people that does like burpees and stuff for fun. It's really weird. Like I try not to associate myself, but each to their own. Kyle doesn't like pizza, Lisa likes burpees. It's becoming a theme here. Um, but I'll just stay here by myself and be normal. Um, but it's really important that in terms of that type of uh training, then that is gonna have a knock-on effect to to how we perform, particularly like you say, if you're struggling to lift heavy weight. So you said to me about kind of as you get to the back end of your cycle before your period, that's when you start to feel everything heightened. Did you want to go through kind of those phases, like in terms of what are those phases? So if we're going from period to period, what's kind of happened in between in terms of like those separate things? So that those last, what, three to four days are your late luteal. Yep. So that's when all your hormones are dropping. And obviously we know what the hormones control, control like temperature. Yep. Um, well, that's just gone from my brain, but yeah. I'll to be the biggest one. So we've um, got like, so we know, like you say, so like your hormones will drop. So in terms of your actual effects that you're going to have day to day, like in that late phase, that's where we're going to start to feel rubbish, right? So that's like where, like you say, where you're not going to be able to lift your weights or lower volume, lower load, um, even impaired coordination. So maybe like the movement patterns of training can even have a knock on effect, right? Um, obviously lower intensity work potential deload there will be a good time so and and also i know from just from paper and that's really important that i'm talking here from paper from textbook but you talk from experience even we can see that potentially we get a little bit more endurance because of an increased lactate threshold um so that lactate threshold is obviously the threshold before our body's producing more and more lactate which you guys listening will probably refer to as lactic acid and they're what for causes like cramp and, and kind of that sort of side of things. So in terms of if I put that on paper, like if you, because you track your cycle so much, kind of what considerations do you do? So that late luteal phase, you know, it's coming up. So if we say, let's say period starts on the 1st of August, the 1st of September, because we know not everyone's cycle is the same in those days leading up to it. How do you combat that? When do you start thinking about that phase coming up? Do you know what I don't, it's because I don't really think about it because I I know the signs of where it is. So on that day, I'll just wake up and there'll be certain feelings that I'll just know. So like just things like my sleep's always disrupted, my cognitive function's a little bit everywhere. I'm agitated a lot more. <clears throat> and then there's just little signs like that and I check my temperature in the morning. I, I can be irritable and I can be emotional typical <laughs> do you but, see that as a no, massive difference so is that like is yeah, that a big change is, from normal for you yeah it is a big change from normal um like the emotions are in insane like they literally just switch on mm. and you just think the world's craziest things like nobody loves me i hate my <laughs> life <laughs> i'm sure there's many that relate Okay, so on those days then, so you wake up and you like you say, you you know those, you've got those feelings, you're irritable, your sleep's disrupted, et cetera. And you've got gym sessions planned, like you know you've got to go and train. 
do you consider that before you go are you like right okay so I know I'm now in this phase will you change your training do you adjust your training before you get there or do you try and approach it as normal and then if it's struggling then just back off how do you approach your training yeah I'll just play it by ear on how I'm feeling so most of the time I'll try and stick to my training I'll just reduce the weight maybe reduce some sets if I feel unsteady I won't do anything stupid like box jumps or single leg stuff I'll just keep everything just a bit yeah so you don't you don't plan to adjust your training program as such you're just going to go I want to do the same stuff but if I'm struggling then you're just kind of a little bit kinder to yourself and your mentality and then you just back off because you understand why right yeah I back off or sometimes there's a few times I've felt really kind of out of sorts so I've just not done my training and gone for a really long hike instead and would you say that ruins your progress or would you say that that's that's a help to your progress I don't think it ruins your progress I think it'll help your progress if anything like if your body's asking for rest take it like you don't always have to go full force and smash it like the most important thing is listening to your body and if you know your body isn't able to carry out that kind of functional training then just don't do it because you're only going to end up injuring yourself you're probably heightened with injuries at that point anyway yeah so like and this is this kind of stems from one of the questions that I had then that I kind of wanted to put to you so you obviously know that late luteal phase. We know, like you say, with the hormones dropping, we know that the late side of that is probably going to be three to four days, maybe before menses. So we know like progesterone's dropping and all of that stuff's dropping. If that say lasts for you for four to five days and you don't train strength resistance training those five days, would you, would you consider that an issue for you or your clients? Or because you say let's suffer and it's, it's very heightened and there's lots of bloating, lots of pain, lots of discomfort in that point, so you don't train in that is that would you consider that a negative or would you be saying to people go and find something else and we come back to resistance training after that what would you say there how would you address that with your clients I don't think it's a bad thing at all like I've had clients cancel me just because their periods have been so bad and I know people view that everyone's different like Mm. bad is whatever it is to you but if you're feeling bloated you're feeling like you can't do their movements then most of the time I'll rearrange them for when they're feeling better and I will advise them to go out for a hike maybe do some yoga or something a little less demanding on the body yeah Um, but it's not detrimental I wouldn't say it's detrimental to their progress like Mm. having a few days off is not detrimental to your progress yeah of course and it and I think it's really important that we're considering that as people that you know if we are doing this, we can all have goals, right? We can all have a six, eight, 10 week goal, but actually we're still here for health and fitness. Like you guys listening to this are quite literally listening to the healthy six podcast. It's not all about dropping weight very quickly. Um, So for me, like having those three, four, five days off, if that's absolutely essential to you feeling good, as long as you control the other things, right, then there's no detriment. But if training is one of those things that you use to drive your progress in terms of like me, I know I'm much more better in or much more in control when I'm, uh, training so my nutritional adherence is better and I'm more inclined to look after the things I should in terms of like vitamins and minerals when my training's good but if that's not possible for you guys then actually what Lisa and I are saying is it's it's okay to have that time off and not strength train or it's okay if you feel possible to come and do two sessions in a week full body couple of sets here and there and drop the load like we said about coordination can be impaired use the machines you don't have to always do everything at full force and what we're trying to get across is particularly for your ladies like your menstrual cycles are completely unique they are different for everyone but understanding to do what is right for you is okay so 
I mean, lots of our followers and listeners here will be based in Peterborough. So going for a hike is maybe not the most fun thing you'll ever do because it's basically Ferry Meadows. If you ever come down to Peterborough, I'm sure you'll know that it's basically the only thing here. But going from Berry, I've seen your walks on your Instagram stories and stuff like that. So it's obviously pleasant, but just daily movement is a massive help in that. Just, so if you wake up and you're feeling like particularly groggy, and, and again, this is kind of for me to understand because I don't go through it as much. Um, only when it's a big pizza so I don't have all the bloating but like let's say you wake up and your discomfort and maybe a little bit irritability and stuff like that and you go for a walk how do you find that affects like for the rest of your day do you come back feeling better yeah I feel I come back feeling a lot more refreshed obviously like you said where I walk it's just it's full of nature it's trees um hills and lots of green and and, and just quiet and water and that for me is very calming anyway yeah. but just that sort of getting out and almost feeling like I'm still moving which mm. makes me feel better because if I'm sat it's going to feel so good that move makes me feel a whole lot better but it's obviously it's not as intense so that intensity has come down yeah um, and then yeah, I come back feeling a lot more sort of refreshed what about physically so like for example when we talk about digestion and digestive issues when we say people are bloated we often encourage people to go for a walk try and get that digestion moving do you feel that like it can almost not offset but like kind of pull down some of those side effects that you have it helps a little bit not a lot I feel mm. like with the period bloating is just bloating and it's going to be there yeah unfortunately yeah it's just a little um, bit different isn't it but yeah but so it, does, makes- it eases symptoms a little bit as well like granted I'll come back and I'll still feel like a little bit tired but I won't feel sort of sluggish yeah okay cool so that's kind of the training stuff so there's loads on there but for I think the main point and takeaway here is that understanding why your performance and strength fluctuating is kind of what gives us the ability to push on because if you're just having tough days um like that can be really degrading demoralizing can't it it's like oh this is a bit rubbish like um I don't know why am I struggling today And, and having that not that lack of clarity about why you're struggling can be really like demotivational in terms of wanting to come you think about giving it up because you've been training for I don't know let's say 12 weeks but you now you're really struggling but before you haven't paid attention to it so kind of having that understanding is what's going to keep us consistent right yeah okay in terms of training and stuff is what what else would is there anything else that you would get your clients to do is there anything else that you do for yourself like what might we do or what or a good question here would be what could I do for my clients better knowing around their menstrual cycle so if I had all my clients track their menstrual cycle which is not always the easiest thing to do if you're listening I know I'm a young man but I'm not care about talking about your period it's fine um what could I do better for my clients and Kyle for his in terms of understanding it every like I said everyone's different so it's really important to get them to track 100 percent and track their feelings, especially in that later phase. So I had a client who, in her later phase, seemed to have a bit more energy, and then into a period had way more energy, could lift loads. She felt like slight discomfort doing, also the not of greatest moves like hip thrusts. That that's not the most ideal, but yeah, she still wanted to do it. So yeah. I was like, okay, if you're if you're comfortable, go for it. Yeah. But then the week after where you would normally feel much better, she was the complete opposite. Mm, so she's work, almost working on the opposite yeah. of someone else, right? So if I yeah. gave her the advice that we think we should give based on paper, yeah. we'd be completely wrong. But you you don't know that unless you track, right? 
Yes, you don't know my feedback. So it's talking to your clients a lot and showing their tracking. There's plenty of apps for you to track with. Plenty of in, in them apps, like especially the one I use called Fitter Woman, not an advert, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you can actually track everything in there. It asks you about your mood. It asks you about your cravings, your sleep, everything. So then you can kind of formulate patterns from that. They can give that back to you and then you can um, adjust your sessions adequately based on them. So effectively what we're saying is if we're not tracking our menstrual cycle in terms of training, there's there's always an element of guesswork in terms of potential for hard work, right? Good. Yeah. Okay. So that leads me into what I'll just fire into a question for you then. So if we're looked after training that way, you, you're obviously talking here about that late luteal phase, the luteal phase before menses or bleeding. When we come into what we call the follicular phase, which is post or post menses, what do I expect to see in my training there? Because I think we refer to this as a, as a little bit of superwoman week, right? Like this is where on paper, we're going to expect to see some really big changes, right? Yeah. So this is where people's mood starts to just come up a little bit more. You kind of almost feel a bit more in control of everything. So you do tend to feel that bit stronger. So you're ready to tackle them workouts. You want to go for it. Um, and like I said, again, reiterating everyone's different yeah normally after two to three maybe two days on my actual cycle on my period i suddenly feel a surge of strength so yeah. come day three i've got a surge of strength so we're straight then, in the gym for one rep max week yeah one rep <laughs> max, which is crazy because you're like one rep max week on when you're on your period doesn't yeah. sound like you, but it, it seems to work for me like you said everyone's different so some people I have that surge then some people have that surge a week after and some people might have that surge even later so I know through ovulation is when everyone's like the greatest like buzzing in the bubble like I'm amazing yeah yeah definitely I'm strong I'm and powerful that, and that just comes because of all the heightened hormones right so we know that like yeah. estradiol which is part of your estrogen is up um obviously like you've got your um fsh lh so everything's up your body temperature is also up then as well on paper um and we can't keep keep stressing that enough so that that kind of that's kind of the midpoint of your cycle so that's literally again on paper on of an average 28 day cycle which again everyone's slightly different and i spoke to someone about this the other day actually and i'm sure you've got a million conversations like this where someone couldn't understand why they were back on their period this was so this uh, I tell you this girl she was a 23 year old girl uh, new to training and she, we were talking about things and she said to me she said she was really like moody she was like oh, I'm, I'll just let you know I'm really moody today and um, I was like right okay kind of like why what's wrong talk about days etc it's like oh there's nothing I just feel really moody and irritable I was like you coming on to your period and she was like yeah maybe but I shouldn't be and I was like well what do you mean you shouldn't be but she'd never tracked her cycle right she had no clue when we finished having a conversation, I was like, right, maybe you should start tracking, pay attention to it. I got a message from her like three days later saying she'd started a period. And she's like, what, like, how did you know I was coming on? I was like, because I'm just looking for these things on paper, but because you've never tracked them, you don't know what your cycle is. We quite quickly worked out that it was like 21 days between her last cycle, which is not abnormal. Like, it's just your cycle. So even that, so there'll be people listening to this, there'll be clients listening to this for, for both of us. So hopefully you share this and your clients listen as well. But it's like, you might think you're expecting the 1st of August to be superhero week and the 15th of August to feel rubbish or whatever. But if you've never tracked it, you don't know how long your cycle is. So you don't know where you're feeling good periods are, where you're 
And that's why tracking is really important. I talk to clients all this about, about this all the time. And like I say, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on today is because I think it's quite difficult to discuss your period with a, a, a man who's younger than you, never been through it. Even when, and I'll, she'll listen to this and I'll get told off of this later, but even my girlfriend, when I spoke to her about it, she was like, well, you don't go for it. So how am I going to listen to you? Like, and, and not listen to me, but it's like, how can I take what you're saying as gospel? I'm like, because there's not much education about this, is there? Like, no, we- there is education. Definitely not. Like, we weren't taught any of this in school. The, none of this I remember in school. If this was taught in school, like, women would have such a better understanding, and so would men, because men should also be taught it. Like, boys in school should be taught it. It's just seen as, I don't know, it's a weird taboo thing, and, you know, some men are still discussing it as disgusting, and I'm like, it's not disgusting. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, right? Crazy, like, in literally it's all about that's nature so i i never understood it and and i tell you I, he won't listen to it so i can say this my brother would be the same if you start talking yeah. to my older brother about periods he'd be like i don't know that's disgusting like like what like that's part of life but like you say if you were educated in school or you was educated and there is i think maybe there's a little bit more coming out about it i you know you see adverts and stuff i think it's boots are running one about menopause at the moment and yeah And that's really good because there is an awareness. And one of the questions um, that I got is actually about a man understanding the menstrual cycle. And I always kind of joke about it with my male clients about how it saves my relationships by just understanding a bit. So we'll touch on that a little bit later in terms of kind of what we can do as as men and, and understanding it. But I think as a whole, it's kind of we just need a bit more of understanding as everyone, because if I'm telling female clients about their menstrual cycle, they've got no clue, then that's probably an indicator that they need to be better educated. And I shouldn't know this just because I'm a PT. I should also know some of this because that's life. Yeah. Um, so an important question. I'm going to let you lead on this. I'm just going to hand over. I'm going to go quiet. In terms of if we've done the training considerations and the things that you might think of, through your menstrual cycle and stuff where what might you do with nutrition how do you handle your nutrition how do you handle nutrition for clients going through those phases bear in mind most of this conversation is probably going to be about that part of your menstrual cycle where you don't feel as good so probably the late luteal what sort of considerations would you put in there so obviously everyone knows they have cravings and everyone has their own cravings and things that they go towards um and like we said temperature so when your temperature increases your um bmr increases so we do have different caloric needs um when we hit certain phases in in our cycle anyway so late luteal kind of it's increased and over the period it's increased and then it decreases again what what's your bmr my no, bmr no, what is a bmr oh i was like my personal bmr no i don't i don't worry i don't need yours <laughs> um it's it's what your body burns at resting so the calories your body burns at rest. pretty much when you're lying in bed doing nothing if you were to lie there for 24 hours what it would burn so we've all got individual bmr so like we've all got a basal metabolic rate so that's the calories like you say so if we're sat watching netflix for 24 hours a day and we don't do anything at all and we don't move a muscle that's what lisa refers to as a bmr yep and everyone's is different based on your height, your weight and your activity levels usually anyway. So it completely varies. So that increases um, during certain phases of your period. And that's why people will find they are hungrier at certain phases. And obviously it's easier to just go and grab all the 
I would say non-nutritious foods because I don't want to call anything good Mm. or bad but non-nutritious foods and I don't think there's anything wrong in maybe having like a day here or there where you have consumed a little bit more like it's okay like sometimes people are a bit like oh no I can't give in to my cravings I can't give in to my cravings but then you're putting that restriction in place Mm. just go on it just don't go crazy with it Um, if I'm on a fat loss phase so if I'm on a fat loss phase and then my body temperature comes up in that part of my menstrual cycle and I'm finding myself hungrier and uh, or let's say I'm your client, I'm on menstrual cycle and, and we're in that situation. So like I say, I'm, I'm on a fat loss phase. I'm looking to shred some weight in eight weeks. Um, I'm on that part of my cycle and I'm feeling hungry, not cravings, but hunger. Yeah. What would you do? do should I stick away from that because I'm really focused on fat loss or... Mm-hmm would I realize that there's probably a slightly increased uh, calorie deficit now because of that BMR being up? Would you then give me that extra food so I stay in the same level deficit or would you kind of just not suffer, but would you just kind of try and really stick it out and go with it? No, so I wouldn't do that. I would increase their food a little bit. You'd I would increase that need because realistically, like you can be really hungry and you're going to be really agitated. You're going to be really annoyed and then you really want food. So I just don't think there's any point in go, in restricting it for all of them feelings that you're going to have. So I think it's important to increase it because usually, I mean, for me personally, just after my period or around my period, midway through, like my appetite kind of decreases anyway. So I end up consuming like a lot less than I normally would. So yeah. it's always going to balance out. So if you've got like, a, let's say a 1500 calorie intake, for example, if in that phase where you're more hungry, you're consuming 16, 1700, you're also going through that phase where maybe you're at 13, 1400. These are just examples of a difference. So you're yeah. kind of still averaging out of that 1500, right? So, yeah. but at the end of the month, you're still within that deficit because you've handled those phases differently. So when clients listening to this are thinking, well, you don't give me more food what we're saying is you can have more food but overall we're still trying to create that same deficit depending on your goal so it's kind of taking it from when you feel great or accepting if you need a little bit more at that time then potentially your progress is going to be slowed if you're not prepared to then come back under on those other times right yeah so it's an interesting one that because if someone is really serious about their um sort of tracking their cycle and obviously in their fat loss phase like at the moment I am trying to so I have like obviously my calories what I should be in for me for whatever my goal is but I've tried to kind of reduce that over my period because I know I don't have that appetite but increase it in that late luteal so then it's literally my calories are almost allocated around my cycle yeah which I know can be probably difficult for some people but for me I managed to do that and that works really well for me so it's quite hard to manage that day by day slash week by week, isn't it? So for people that have got like maybe really busy jobs or and are parents and stuff like that, understanding yeah. changing your calorie goals either day by day by day or phase by phase can be really difficult. Yeah. But actually, as long as you're disciplined, it's probably quite easy to do that. If you say your calorie goals that fifteen hundred we spoke about, and when you're in that phase, you just allow yourself to eat a little bit more. So that can be, like you say, non nutritious food. If you're craving yeah. as well and you want chocolate allow that self so then if you allow yourself to have that chocolate because then if you're not restricting we're not leading from a restricting binge cycle which is just an entirely different maybe five podcasts let alone series that we could talk about in terms of binge and restrict but what you're saying is in that time your body is doing a little bit more you're a little bit hungrier if you've got a few cravings allow yourself to have it right 
Yeah, one hundred percent. Your body's doing way more for your the, whatever's going on in your cycle. It's doing something. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, so again, for your clients, do you program that, or do you just if they? So if you have a perfect client in terms of them tracking their cycle entirely and giving you that data, would you program for that, or would you just allow them to build a pattern first, or what? Obviously, build a pattern first, and then program. so then you can understand their behaviors a little bit more and understand yeah. their eating behaviours too, and then programme for it. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of us have perfect clients in that in that space, so we just have to kind of... Uh, Outrageous. All my clients yeah. are perfect. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, and, and it, again, it just goes to reiterate as to why talking about your, uh, your period, your menstrual cycle, your coach or people around you can be really important, right? Because, I mean, we've only touched on training and hunger and craving. So if we're saying now that, your training is on paper, your training in that point is going to be poorer and you're going to be hungrier and you're going to have more cravings. I mean, that's already a recipe for disaster in terms of mood, isn't it? And I mean, we spoke about irritability and stuff like that already. So already you can see why that would be more important if there's men listening to this podcast, which unfortunately I doubt there'll be that many of because they won't think it affects them. They might already be realizing now that uh, why it's important to do that uh, and to understand it, right? So yeah, it's hugely important. So I wanted to touch on this, and this is this is paper talk, if you like. So when we're talking about your menstrual cycle in terms of week one being immediately uh, after menses, all the way through to late follicular, early luteal, late luteal. In terms of nutrition, from week mm-hmm. one through four, so from post menses to pre menses, your calories yeah. will go up kind of week by week based on your hormones, right? Like in terms of what you need. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about, there's loads of things here. And I wanted to talk about how this impacts and I don't want to get too sciencey, but in terms of insulin sensitivity, so you're going to have increased. And then as it decreases over those four weeks, then we're going to start to have a knock on effect of how carbohydrates work and utilization and stuff like that. And that's how we can manipulate that nutrition. And, and for example, probably how like competitive bodybuilders, models, photo shoot athletes, they're probably looking at all these things that maybe you don't need to do yeah it's very different for them because actually for alice who's a mum of two and works nine till five she probably doesn't need to start manipulating carbohydrates and fats to control insulin sensitivity but for someone that's looking for kind of that optimal progress and digestion and stuff that would be something that we'd be looking at um and kind of like fat metabolism and using fat for fuel again we're much better at that in week one so like the fact that we hold and we understand in week four, it's not. And that could also be another reason for why maybe the weight is a little bit more stagnant and, and stubborn towards the end of the week, right? Not, not end of the yeah. month, sorry, not week. Yeah, so towards the end of the month, definitely. But also because you are eating that bit more and naturally we all, we're all always going to end up eating more carb heavy foods and then we've already got like an increased water retention anyway at that point. So it's going to be even more heightened with carb storing water. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's good. And then so if you go into lifestyle, we spoke about like um, the stress and stuff like that and, and the irritability. But how does that affect once you've got all those things together? What sort of effect do you find that has on lifestyle in terms of managing kind of stress? Do you find that you're maybe a little bit more stressed in terms of things that happen? So if something happens, does that trigger you a little bit more? Or, or is that kind of just irritability and stuff? And how would you kind of 
not handle, but how would you manage lifestyle to support you through your menstrual cycle? So when you're in your late luteal phase, when you're in that phase where potentially we don't feel as good, is there anything that you get yourself to do or your clients to do to support? So you can basically have every season in a day. So you can go from angry, irritable to crying. You can go through everything in pretty much one day or even one hour, to be mm-hmm. fair. So um, I'm very open about my cycle anyway, and I'll get a PT, so I'm around people the whole day. Mm. So amongst all my other PTs, they'll be they'll know when I am on my cycle, when I'm on my period. Yeah. And everyone's a little bit more, not cautious, but they can empathise with you a bit more. Like, it's actually a bit more respectful, right? Yeah, they're a bit, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely a bit more respectful. And I'll just be open to be like, I'm really irritable or okay, this is really upsetting. Like, I'm very vocal about it. Like, I'm like, this has upset me, but I am here in my cycle, so I know that I'm probably not thinking about things in the best way. Have you ever like, had, have you, before you learned so much about this, were you, have you ever been closed off about it? Like, in the past where you wouldn't have spoken about it? I don't think I've ever been closed off. I've always been quite vocal about when I've been on my period, no matter where I am, just because, probably because I'm one of them people that's like, I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah. I'm going to say it. And but, you should know anyway. Yeah. And for con- context, Lisa is probably the one of the most energetic people I've ever met. I remember walking into the gym in Nottingham and this absolute bubble of energy just whizzing around like roadrunner talking and getting involved. So it's a really good thing. But in terms of that and, and being hidden, I think for the people now that struggle to talk to it with their partners, with their family, with the people around them, I think you're putting more stress on yourselves because I know for a fact, and I've always said this, and I'll quite happily talk about my relationship where my partner uses um, an app. She doesn't use Fit Our Woman, but she uses Flow. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But just having that understanding, one for her, because it it lets her to know what to look out for, but it lets me to look out for it as well. Like lets me know. So when I said earlier, are people more respectful? I don't mean treat you with respect and say, you know, bow down to you as you walk through. I mean, but be respectful of how you feel um so it's really important that when we're trying to well when we're going through this we're trying to be as open as we can because actually it is important and it it is it does help people manage it and I'm going to talk about the nervous system which we spoke about a little bit last week as well in a moment but just managing that and understanding that mental cycle to support kind of the way people treat you along with understanding how you are kind of we're now putting ourselves in a position of where we can be in what we call our pns which is our parasympathetic uh, sympathetic nervous system, which we talk about rest and digest. Again, we spoke about that a lot in the stress, but that is where we're surviving long-term. That's where we are more relaxed. We dilate, our digestion is better. So in terms of stress management, if we know in our late luteal, we're going to struggle with training and we're going to be hungrier and we're going to have more cravings and we might be a little bit more irritable and a bit more stressed, even openly talking about it can help people understand you, right? So then that can put you at ease and you're not beating yourself up. You know, training might not be as good. You know, you're a bit hungrier. You're going to allow yourself to have that little bit of a snack or a little bit more food. Just those allowances and that permission to yourself to treat you, treat yourself well, is going to bring you into what we call your PNS. And that's where we rest and digest. That in itself is going to ease the effects of that menstrual cycle and just allow you to get back to normal, right? Or I say get back to normal because this is normal. We get back to kind of where we're in that earlier phase, that earlier follicular, when we're starting to feel more energetic and more strong because we've not got that pressure. So that's quite big in terms of how we 
handle ourselves because I know if I don't know and someone's snapping at me or ratting at me, I'm coming straight back at you. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to be ratting at me because you're on your menstrual cycle, you're a menses and I don't know about that. And I think you're just treating me wrong. I'm not going to stand for that. So if you snap at me, I'm snapping back. But actually, if I know someone that has is in that phase and I understand that that's kind of how they feel, then I won't tread on eggshells, but I'll be a little bit more respectful and a bit more like not forgiving a little bit more patient with it like okay fair game like that's 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 natural you feel like that so you can I mentioned earlier and I joked about this and we will use it as a question still that can kind of really help me in my relationships with the ladies in my life because I am quite upfront and I'm quite fussed and if you're coming for me I'm going to come back to you but if I understand why then that allows me to be a little bit more relaxed but how does that then help you well that means that you're not in your sympathetic nervous system you're not in fight flight you're not in freeze and stuff like that so you're not in that short-term survival now if you're in that uh sympathetic nervous system and again i'll just remind everyone from last week that's when our pupils are going to dilate our heart rate's going to go up we're going to be tense our blood's going to flow around the body a lot quicker because we're ready to fight we're going to be heightened we're going to be our senses are up so to do that our digestion's going to stop we're going to start, maybe stop salivating and get dry mouth. Like things don't go properly. Our natural things are going to slow down. So just in terms of handling that stress management to affect your menstrual cycle and support digestion, sleep, stress is absolutely massive, isn't it? It's huge. So obviously having people that you can talk to about it and having people understand and be patient, like you said, is, is massive. But if you don't have that, which firstly, it's not amazing. Um, if you don't have that, you can't, you know, try and reach out to someone like your girl, your, your ladies can reach out to you. People can reach out to you. People can reach out to me. But another good way is journaling. So just write down, write down how you're feeling. Get it out on paper. Get away from things like social media, which might be an extra trigger. Just take them kind of things away um, to put yourself back in that PNS, as you say. Yeah. And then all like things that you really enjoy doing, trying to put them in to not so much take your mind off it but it will ease your stress like one of the biggest things for me is is dancing just generally music and dancing around the house just having a little groove in the house love it oh yeah all the time in the kitchen while I'm cooking (laughs) that helps me help my stress levels come right down Mm. finding them little things that you know are going to bring you joy and they're going to bring you back into a less stressed state yeah and that's just, and, and in general, and then going back to last week, and again, talking about stress, that's just massive in terms of all-round well-being and health and fitness. It's not just about your menstrual cycle, but just having that relax. I mean, if you're already feeling rough, you don't want to be stressed and trying to carry all that, like just trying to do the things that make you happy, make you move, is going to be huge as well. So something that I wanted to bring up now, this comes from a podcast as well. And I don't know if you know this, Lisa, this is, this is a spanner in the works. If you like, I'll see if you know it and it's not to trip you up, but it was brought up to me on a a podcast from Dr. Kelsey. So she is an actual doctor and she talks very well about the menstrual cycle. So anyone that wants to go and learn more about the hormones and everything that trigger these things that we're talking about, then Dr. Kelsey, um, K-E-L-S-I, but we're talking about Eastern Dom, uh, dominant so estrogen is um often heightened in sort of week one week two so those early and late follicular phases mm-hmm. now estrogen dominance is what can cause um like your fat storage 
So I don't know if you know this, but estrogen dominance, estrogen dominance can cause fat gain. It can have an effect on birth control. It can also be caused by too much alcohol. Alcohol mm -hmm. can affect your menstrual cycle. Even drinking once a day to binge mm -hmm. drinking once a week can affect your menstrual cycle. But because it controls your, your uh, fat storage, it can actually also affect it in terms of your shape. So it can affect like that could turn you. If you're particularly pear-shaped, an element of that can be due to the hormone of uh, estrogen having an effect on where you store your fat. Did you know that? I knew it. If, I knew um, alcohol does affect it, but I didn't know it to that event. Yeah, so, so it, it, even to birth control, so like even like your natural birth control and stuff like that and, and tracking your cycle, because I know that's what some people do in terms of trying for babies or not trying for babies, should I say, like they will use that natural cycle. But even that can that can have an effect because it will affect your menstrual cycle. But yeah, it can even affect your shape. So quite important that. So just understanding why tracking it would be really important in terms of if you're tracking your cycle and then you go out for a massive session and then your cycle is affected, then you can even start to picture that as well. So that's why, again, track, track, track. Um, yeah. And hopefully I'll get a few messages later on today saying, I've just started tracking my, uh, my menstrual cycle. Where do you want me to store it? So we can go through that. But hopefully we'll get some of those later. Um, and then obviously this isn't, this is a touch base. So I'm, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to get you to give anything else and we're going to go through the FAQs. But just as a reminder, when we're going through the cycle, everything changes. But remember, this is all very different for every individual in a different menstrual cycle. Um, our late luteal phase, which is just before menses, at that point, we're going to see high water retention and a heavier scale weight on paper. Just before yeah. that, in the early luteal phase, week three, we're going to have slightly less um, sort of water retention than that. And it's going to be a slightly lower scale weight than your heaviest. If you go into week two, your late follicular, so we're working backwards here, you're going to have slight increase of water retention from superhero week, and you're going to have slightly higher scale weight. And then week one, just after menses, that's when you're going to have low water retention, low scale weight, high strength, high energy on paper which is really important. So guys, when you're tracking your weight and we talk about this and I tell clients all the time, and I think not falls on deaf ears, but it's really hard to keep remembering it when you are trying to lose fat or you're trying to lose weight, which we don't like that word over here, but lose fat. The, if we don't compare our week to week in our cycle, then knowing that our weight's going to change or not understanding that our weight will change up and down, that can have a huge impact on progress overall, can't it? Yeah. So I'm quite strict with my clients weighing themselves. Go on. Um, Tell, talk us through it. I just, because it's, it's such a trigger, like that, like weighing yourself is such a trigger because we're so ingrained to feel like we need to be a certain number and that number is representative of how amazing we are, which it really, really isn't. So I don't allow my girls to weigh themselves. The only time I, if they really want to wear themselves, it has to be two to three days after their period, like you say, because that's when everything comes down. But I've had the girls that weigh themselves every single week. And, um, you know, and it is that it's up and down. It's consistently up and down. And I explain them why it's up and down because of the phases that you're in. So I'm like, in that case, if that's as much of a trigger, because then they're like, well, I've made no progress. But I'm like, yeah, but you are here in your cycle. And, and you, then you, yeah but you have made progress but you have right yeah that's it. you have made progress but your cycle is going to tell you something different right now so we can't compare your weight in late luteal 
and then your weight two to three days after your period like mm. you can't compare them to weight so keeping like their weigh-ins have to be like every if if i do it it's usually every eight weeks but it is two to three uh, days after your period only so you do it so we so me and kyle both take a, the same approach but different to yours where we get our clients to weigh daily so yeah. you can you can cast your thoughts on this that's absolutely fine because everyone does different things so we get our clients to weigh daily as much as we can so that then what we do is we create an average for the week so we can see so we can now build our patterns so we can see if someone's weighed heavier one day is that because of what they ate like if they had higher carbs or if they had less activity and that gives us an average and then we track that and that turns into an average each week um and then if we have track of their cycle, that means then we can compare cycle to cycle, right? Because we know one, we know two, we know three, we know four. Again, we struggle to get that information because Kyle is exactly the same age as me. We grew up playing football together, young lad. So we both, that's one of our barriers as a coach is getting maybe not older ladies, but just people slightly older than us that maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about it. And hopefully yeah. this podcast can break that barrier. But working it each week, we still do the same conversations. We just approach it in a different way, right? So we're like, you're going to weigh daily so that we know your fluctuations and you learn your fluctuations and you don't associate that with your happiness. But here are your averages. Here are the effects and here's what it can happen on a scale. But we both have the same conversations. Scale weight isn't the only thing that dictates progress, no. particularly around your menstrual cycle. So really no. important. No, that's, you know, the way you're doing it, that's, that sounds really, really good. Like I do like the way you're doing that. And I think maybe that's something I might try and implement with mine, but maybe after they've got to a certain point so i thought she had to leave me because she's leaving for dubai which is amazing I saw that. yeah i saw that me um but for her in the three months we've worked together the biggest thing she um said she'd felt improved was her mindset the way she viewed herself the way she viewed her body the way she was kinder to herself the way she knows the scale doesn't dictate a thing how strong she felt and I think those were huge huge changes and because a lot of women do come to me and they do associate that number on the scale to be absolutely everything that's why I take that number away for a while and then only when they're in a better place I could probably implement the way you do it on a daily one so then they can understand it a bit more but because their mindset's in a better better place Mm. then it's a good, good time to sort of introduce that but and like, I, like, I understand the way you're doing it and it, make, it does make a lot of sense. And that's kind of the key to working with individuals and individual approaches and different clients. And that's and like we've constantly said about the menstrual cycle being unique for everyone and, and us, again, not being doctors, but also not only are you unique, but the way people deal with it and the mindset around it is also really important. Now, someone like me, I like to deal with things by constantly having data right so data if i can have data and logic the whole time then i can leave my emotions to the side and it's why i even weigh myself every day even when i'm not cutting so it allows me to i understand when it's gone up and it means i can rein it back if i've had a heavy weekend so like this weekend i'm on a stag do i know my weight's going to be massively higher come monday but i'm not worried about that because i know i've now got the logic of my patterns um so it's just that's why it's important so in terms of menstrual cycle, like and um, with everything we've spoken about today, which I think is quite a lot, and again, it, we don't get too sciencey because a lot of people don't understand it. When that gets better of educating, and people can, but also not as doctors. So we've spoken about like training and nutrition, and then mainly stress and, and a bit of alcohol and stuff. In terms of if you was going to be writing this and, and selling it to people, what else would you mention, if anything, to cover about knowing about the menstrual cycle for a fitness slash fat loss journey? 
it doesn't have to be anything i you know i would go with like maybe supplements okay go on then um so i've recently just started trialing a supplement let me try and find it's it's it is um, formulated specifically for women and it is supposed to optimize performance by hormone regulation improved insulin sensitivity and cognitive function so i'm trialing that at the moment so i think the ingredients of that are like creatine myoinositol and something else and i know they prescribe myoinositol for pcos right uh, to help that insulin sensitivity yeah. So I'm trying that at the moment, but I would say supplements are really important, especially because obviously things like your iron drop and, you know, it's replacing them. Okay. So you mean like vitamins and minerals as supplements yeah. as well, really important. So you've like multivit, vitamin D, iron, all those things. Yeah, get in. So hopefully everyone listening to this that's worked with me will already be on that. So we shouldn't have any problems there. And if you haven't, Tesco, please. Obviously you can get it food as well yeah of course um but in terms of that um supplement that you're trying at the moment what is the what's the aim of that what are we what are you trying to achieve out of that what's it what we're looking for i genuinely want to see how it works sort of with my hormones like because it does say improved um hormone performance via hormone regulation so i genuinely want to see what it does especially around my cycle and i've only just started taking it so i feel like it it's probably going to take a couple of weeks of um it being in my system to get used to it but i genuinely want to see how much better i do perform over my cycle or whether things change whether i can lift a little bit heavier or so much better would we be expecting like more performance changes or just kind of well-being or, or a combination? Obviously, if we're talking about insulin sensitivity as well, that could affect like digestion and nutrition and kind of weight and scale weight if we're tracking yeah. regularly. But is it kind of performance and stuff we're looking for mainly to get out of that? Yeah, definitely performance. And I mean, I am intrigued about the insulin sensitivity because that's not really something I've looked into in myself um probably because i don't feel like i need to but as i get slightly older i uh, probably should yeah well it's possible okay right what we'll do then i think we've smashed that so i'm gonna come we will end up going back on ourselves here but we've got some questions sent in from different people and these are these are genuine questions these aren't oh let's make up some questions these are genuine <laughs> questions i've had which is a huge win because it does happen a lot where i'm like scratching my head what can i ask but these are genuine questions so we're going to do our best to answer these um and I think we've covered them, but let's do it in um, kind of like as snapshot as we can. And I'm going to ask you, and I'm only going to pipe up is if I think I want to really add something. But I'm going to let this is this is your this is Lisa's special menstrual cycle guidance here. So question one to you, Lisa, is should you try and train as normal throughout your menstrual cycle or adapt for it? So that's broad because everyone's individual. But as a whole, would you try and adapt your training for your menstrual cycle? I think you covered this one earlier. Yeah, I did cover this one earlier. So for myself, I tend to keep it the same, but I reduce the weight of whatever I'm lifting. Or if I'm not feeling it, I'll change it up and go for a walk. So it's completely up to you. So you can adapt you can, or you can stick to it. If you feel good enough to stick to it, go for it. Stick to yeah. it. And kind of if you don't and you know that you don't because you've started tracking your menstrual cycle and you know now each time, that's when you potentially adapt for it, right? Because you yeah, like, that's it. Change it, go for a walk, go, go do something different. So perfect. So the second question is, 
should you try different exercises at different stages of your menstrual cycle? Now, I know who wrote this question. So what they really mean is, should you try different types of exercise? I don't mean leg extension, legs curl. I mean, if you're normally resistance training and weight training at those different stages, should you do different things? Or is that very similar to question one? Because I know this person had an influence in this question because they had listened to something else and they were saying about doing like cardio and yoga. But from what you've spoken about and from what I know, I don't necessarily think that's what we would like forecast. We wouldn't plan for that, right? No, I wouldn't plan for that. I, I would stick with whatever your training program is. And like I said in the last question, just reduce the weight if needed to or if you're completely not feeling it, go for a walk. But I wouldn't change change up the exercises for that period. Yeah. Okay. And I, on that note, I agree. I don't think we should be changing things for the sake of it if we can feel okay. And I certainly don't think we should be changing things if we can go and do what, if we're looking to follow a resistance training program, which we know we need that repeat um, yeah. and volume and intensity and frequency, then no, we absolutely shouldn't be changing uh, anything in advance, only adapting if it's a real struggle at certain times. Okay. And then again, third question, and I think, again, we've answered this. Should you increase calories during your luteal phase? Should. It's an interesting way of wording it. Good. Um, obviously, like we said, on paper, your temperature increases and therefore your BMR increases, therefore your caloric needs increase. So on paper, we'd say, yeah, go with how you're feeling. If you are feeling hungrier, then yes, increase. And I don't mean increase by like 500. You literally only need maybe 100 or 200. Yeah. And would that, so that this is a, a question to follow on from that then. It's, it's not a new one, I'm afraid. So that means we've got more. So if, <laughs> in terms of 100 to 200, would that depend on kind of your existing BMR? So maybe someone that's got a higher metabolic rate, they're more inclined to have a 200 calorie increase and someone smaller would maybe only need an extra 100 because they're smaller. So there's less, less need to heat the body. And, and therefore that temperature increase or is it just kind of depend on how you feel all the time i tend to go off how i feel so if you've had a hundred but you're still struggling and you're still feeling really hungry you kind of allow yourself a hundred and then you'll kind of cap it at the total of the two yeah i try and i try not to eat any more than 200 i yeah. just try to cap it so much because i think it's easy to be like i'm still hungry i'm still hungry and st- i'm still mm. hungry and then just keep eating and eating when there's probably a point where you've gone past that hunger and now you've just kind of decided you're just going to carry on eating. So maybe drink a bit of water, just drink a whole load of water as well. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of those standard tips for keeping you fuller. So green leafy vegetables, high protein, high fat for satiety, um, and then lots of water as well. Okay. So this one is a good one, right? So this one had a disclaimer come at the end of it. I know you're going to, I know you're going to say go to the doctor, but the doctor has told me this is normal. So this is going to kind of be personal opinion rather than science, I guess. So it's what do you do when you literally dread that time every month? You know, you're going to turn into a different person. You're bloated. It feels like someone's inflated a balloon in your stomach. You feel sick and you can barely leave the house, let alone go into the gym. Even walking can hurt. How are you supposed to live a normal life in those days? and stop yourself backtracking on your progress okay so as you've said we would say go to the doctor <laughs> yeah, right. so yeah. they've been to the doctors and a doctor like that's normal now yeah. this i mean i go and get a second opinion 
first no offense to doctors I know they're like highly stressed at the moment but sometimes I do think you need to go for a second opinion especially if you're really struggling yeah go and get a second opinion number one and if they come back with something different great if they come back with the same thing which I don't I don't believe they will then it's a case of I don't know really kind of accepting that that's the way it is for that period and if you're not struggling, even, right, yeah, it's not it's not yeah. necessarily there to accept. Now, what about if I was to say to you, I know that this person is highly stressed. Would and Now, we spoke about the, ner- the nervous system and this person knows they need to handle their stress, however that may be done. And we've obviously spoken about whether that's acute or chronic. So let's say that's a chronic stressor. Right, that, okay. would, that ha- would that have an effect? Would, would your first steps, as well as get a second opinion, would that be like, right, deal with your stress? definitely deal with your stress 100% deal with your stress because you know, yeah chronic stress is is yeah deal with it <laughs> yeah. I know it sounds crazy but you've got to you've got to deal with that because that can just like that'll accumulate into more and more and more mm. and obviously affect your cycle and obviously like prolonged um effects on menstrual cycle could be extra prolonged right so when we're saying this might be six months it might be a year but actually that consistent negative effects on your menstrual cycle could turn into long-term effects where we might start getting irregular cycles and stuff like that and possibly perimenopause mm-hmm. and stuff like that right so oh, like you said completely losing it yeah so i think the takeaway from this and I, I don't think they were really expecting like a full answer but the big thing is no it won't backtrack your progress if that's how you live you need to look after yourself and you need to stay at home you need to pot around the house you need to eat good nutritional food you need to rest when you can and drink lots of water if walking, yeah exactly this is it's normal to have a menstrual cycle i don't necessarily think it's ne- like normal to feel so bad which means that keep prodding the doctors go somewhere special go, go i don't know um but making sure you're going to deal with those things and and if walking hurts go for a five minute walk and come back and then go out 10 minutes later or not 10 minutes later like an hour's later just pot around don't have to go for an hour's walk just go and do those five minute actions go and do the little bits and come back rest so what do you do when you dread that time? Do what you can to make it less, kind of less dread. But I think the, yeah. the common answer here is deal with your chronic stress as much as you can, however that needs to be done. And yeah. maybe go and prod a doctor to go and get a second opinion and, and just look into it a bit more because kind of not accepting those answers as, oh, it's normal. We know mm-hmm. that doesn't always necessarily mean that. But I would suggest chronic stress probably has a big knock-on effect, right? Definitely. But also I think... It makes it worse when you kind of, you know it's coming to you instantly dread it. Do you know what I mean? You've already got it in your mind as something to dread. Mm. So kind of Don't perception of it. Help. Yeah. So like, it's almost going back to that perception of stress, isn't it? Like I'm stressed because stress is coming or I'm stressed because menstrual cycles come in. So kind of, it's very yeah. difficult to, to have that approach, particularly as a male who doesn't go through it. But also if you're constantly struggling with it, it's natural to dread it and to dread it but also that's that's not necessarily having a positive impact on that day by day week by week anyway um so that's important um then the fifth question again we've had this so the two weeks before period is when you struggle most symptoms again should we be increasing calories should no can we yes so again not planning for it right keeping that hunger but also managing the symptoms so kind of cramps and pains movement is going to produce blood flow that's known to kind of help with 
yeah. cramps because producing that blood obviously if you're very um sedentary that's going to affect it right that's so kind yeah. of I'll change that question for you, Lisa. So the two weeks before the period is when they struggle most with symptoms. If we are not, should be increasing calories, what else could we do to kind of help those symptoms leading up to it without dreading it? What might you do for yourself if you know it's like when that starts to kick in? Like kind of lifestyle things like, I don't know, some people, hot water bottles, stuff like that. What sort of things might you do? Yeah, a hot water bottle always works a treat. Walking, hydrating more. Um, like I mentioned earlier just doing more things that bring me joy like are almost like a bit of a distraction from it um stick on a movie that you really like I don't know everyone goes for the notebook and has a cry <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think the key to the answer there as well and obviously not getting like supplements vitamins minerals and stuff but yeah. the key to the answer is kind of accept the struggle with the symptoms and do what you can around it like and I know that again yeah. we're going to struggle yeah you know, struggle at that point so you know we can either be like oh great I'm going to struggle or we're like right okay so I know I'm going to struggle I'm going to put this in place I'm going to eat this because I know it makes me feel a little bit better I always eat dark chocolate or a lot more salmon during mm. this time so mm. things like that make me feel a little bit better so you if you're if you're tracking it and you're aware of it and you know what makes you feel better and what doesn't make you feel better do them things that make you feel better as opposed to being like great here it is again and being annoyed yeah. at it it's going nowhere yeah yes. def- definitely definitely and so again it's that mindset around it that's probably most key and this is going to be really difficult for people that haven't tracked it or maybe don't understand it as yet like in terms of like you say it's not going anywhere for some time if you're a young person listening to this podcast understand it's happening if it's abnormal it should be checked if you're worried about it and it lasts too long or it's not happening or your cycle's changing or anything like that it should be checked um, but actually understanding that it's coming and it's coming once a month or once every 21 days or 24 days or whatever your cycle is, it's coming and your perception and your mindset around that and doing those things to look after your mental health, mental wealth, enjoyment, fun things, changing things that don't make you feel terrible. They're, they're all important, but they are unfortunately all unique. So for Lisa, if it's dancing around in the kitchen with music on whilst cooking for Again, I'll use Alice as my random name. It could be sitting and watching a notebook with a hot water bottle and crying. They're fine. It's happening. Do what you need to do. And this leads me into a really important question, which comes from a man, which I was impressed by. How, (laughs) as a partner, can I help during time of the month, so to speak, or are there things that I should be aware of? So if you had a partner or if you've got a partner or whatever, Lisa, what sort of advice are you giving them? If you can give them five bullet points of what they should be looking for or how they can help you five bullet points to support you during menses period bleeding or as many as you can think of or less if you can't think of that many what would you give them I think obviously if they're aware of it and they know that time is coming and they understand the whole thing then just give give her give her what she needs if she wants space give her space if she wants cuddles give her cuddles if you know she's gonna rant at you just let her rant because it it's nothing it's nothing personal it's nothing personal it's just the way the hormones are making us and it's as simple as that we're not we don't want to take it out on anyone but if we're having a rant just let us have a rant you know provide us with just little things like if you want bring us some chocolate 
fuck with the nice meals, um, stick a movie on, take us for a little walk. There are just little things, and it is always the little things that make the biggest mm. difference. Get that hot water bottle ready if you know they're having PMS. So get it ready. So it's kind of those little things that we all really want anyway from our partner, right? So like women are always going to want that from their man kind of and vice versa, depending on what sort of is. But in that case, if that's kind of your advice of what a man should do, could do for you, is it kind of your responsibility to have a track of that and let him know until he's built that pattern? Should he know that without like being told? Or is there that communication to kind of be like, look, I'm coming up to my period. I'm on this. I'm blah, blah, blah. Is that, should you be done? Like seeing as men don't have a good education on it and we do not, I mean, women don't have a good education on it anyway. Is it on me to pick up on those signs or should I be, should I be informed? Is that, that's just where communication comes in, right? It's communication. I like, I just, I know someone will be like, Oh, you should just know, but no, they, they're not going to know. I mean, let's be real. Half the women don't even know when their cycle is anyway. And then they're like, oh, shit, I'm on my period now. Um, you know, so I think it definitely on to communicate that because we know our bodies. You don't know our bodies. We can only educate you to a certain amount. So yeah. it's being aware of that. Like, I've already vocalised I'm three days out from my period. So yeah. I know three things might go. Oh, I'm very lucky to have, have you on the podcast today and you've not shouted at me once. <laughs> Yes, um, I'm good. I'm in a good mood. We're okay. So, and I think a really important word, like key, there is about that education. And and from personal experience, as the late luteal phase becomes, is kind of where all those hormones are up, and that's kind of where we might, or ladies might be a little bit more hormonal, or a bit more emotional, maybe a little bit short tempered. If you're not tracking, you actually don't know you're coming on your period. So, it's only a few days after maybe you've acted that way, and then you've kind of had those big arguments that you realise, and then it's kind of too much water on the bridge. So again, that's kind of why the tracking is really important and understanding where you are. So you understand where you at, but I know for a fact that if my partner says to me, like I'm three days out or I kind of know when it's coming now, because like I say, she tracks kind of know when to be a little bit more supportive or a little bit more appreciative or like you say, do the little things and whatever you say, whoever's listening to this petrol station flowers will never be laughed at. They're still fine. If you're a PT and you're leaving the gym at eight o'clock and all you can get is petrol station, it's fine. Get them, do it like but it is those little things isn't it right that keep you not keep you happy but you're feeling a little bit down or a little bit of dark chocolate and stuff like that but just kind of having that communication so as a as a partner who probably does understand it more than others trying to read the situation and have and and seek that awareness so asking where they are or taking an interest and knowing kind of where those signs are is really important to kind of how you manage yourself like say just accept the rant if it's at that time if it's not pull them like it's not necessary but that's fine accept it and then maybe come back later and be like look it's kind of that way but just understand how they're feeling but seek that information from your partner if they've got a normal menstrual cycle and their hormones are over the place learn their menstrual cycle to an element you don't know have to know the dates but kind of just be there to to understand um kind of what's happening with them and why they're acting maybe a certain way yeah communication is key and also another one one more um if at this point of their period they don't want you in the, in, in the bed, just accept that because we are hot and sweaty and it's <sighs> not that. Okay. <laughs> Especially when it's going to be 33 degrees next week. Just get out of the bed and sleep on the sofa. This week, exactly. That's it. So <clears throat> very quickly then to wrap up, I know you mentioned it. So I, I don't have personal experience of these <clears throat> too much, but I just wanted to get people to, we've spoken so much about how your menstrual cycle is very unique. Lisa is different to the listeners. 
the listeners are different to each other, they're different to their parents, they're different to whoever's just starting or whatever. Um, but it kind of comes back to a common theme. Repeatedly, we've said it's unique to you. Your nutrition is unique to you. Training, you should, we think as our common approach is that you should try and approach it from the same standpoint and adapt on the spot if necessary. And the other common theme is always about tracking. So yeah. Lisa does a lot through uh, temperature. Now I'm not suggesting everyone does that, but there are a number of apps that I'm going to suggest. I know again, Lisa, you use Fitar Woman, don't you? So it's yeah. I think it's probably pronounced Fitter Woman, but I say it weird, so you know how to search for it. But it's Fit R Woman. <laughs> um, Flow, so F L O. It really bugs me because the icon looks like Tinder, and I see it on my girlfriend's phone. I'm like, what's that? And then <laughs> it's not Tinder. Um, Fitbit have it built in. Apple have it built in. Um, if you've got an Apple Watch and a Fitbit, and Clue and also Eve are all trackers that you can use to support your kind of tracking and get a play with it. They'll all work differently. Um, and I think I spy my little eye whoop strap, Lisa. Is that right? Yes. You know, this glorified <laughs> whoop strap. Does that have any tracking on it? Yes, it does. Whoop. I'm not an advert. Again, not an ad. No, Whoop is amazing because it actually it distracts your um tracks your temperature and everything and it knows it'll tell me when I'm gonna start my cycle as well. Mm. So it's got that functionality built into it. And um what you can do with Whoop is um it gives you a diary that you complete every day after you've slept to say what you've done the night before. Mm. And you can pick what goes in that diary. So mine will be in there as menstrual cycle, have I had pain, am I ovulating? So from that and also cravings, temperature, have I trained, have I walked, loads of that kind of stuff journaled, meditated. It basically builds a story and it also builds like a pattern on your period. And obviously it'll then track how you train on your period as well. Um, And it'll tell you like usually my resting heart rate um, goes through uh, quite high. And then heart rate variability Um, as well? Yep. So HR... So heart rate variability is basically the ability for your body to adapt. I won't get into the heart side of it. I know if Kyle was here, we'd be here for another hour because he loves it. Um, But basically, it's our body's way of dealing with stress. So if it's low, your ability to switch between your nervous system, so your parasympathetic and your sympathetic, are very low. So switching from fight and flight to rest and digest is low. The higher it is, which is usually better after sleep, not on menses, well-rested, then your heart rate variability goes up and that's just going to allow our body to adapt to things a lot quicker, which will keep us a lot closer to that glorified and loved word of homeostasis, which is our body's natural resting state. Um, so it's good. So it does give lots of data um, and there's loads of ways to track it. So I think if we're going to give some takeaway points to this before we wrap it up, Lisa, would be track your cycle, communicate your cycle, which is to yeah. yourself as well. So being accepting of it understanding it's happening be mindful of it with training mood emotions it's normal um and then just really try to monitor things around that and adapt as and when you need to don't adapt just because you have a menstrual cycle because all ladies will have one until menopause they the key takeaways anything to add No, I think they're they're definitely the the key takeaways, and just again work on that mindset of accepting that it's here mm. for a long time. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, definitely, it's there and dealing with it. Cool. And just remind everyone then for me before we wrap this up, where can everyone find you on socials? I know we're a TikTok star now. 
<laughs> I am definitely not a TikTok star. I'm actually way too old for this social media stuff, especially no, TikTok. Never. Um, <laughs> uh, I have years on you, Travis. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> I might not look it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find me at Lisa Kimfit uh, TikTok, Lisa Kimfit Instagram, and Lisa Kimfit Facebook. Instagram is probably where I'm most active. TikTok is probably becoming a bit more personal. Um, if you follow me, I'm still more mindset anyway. Oh, and then I'm going to put it out there. So anyone that's listened to this um, that doesn't want to speak to me about their menstrual cycle or ask any questions, then at Lisa Kim Fit on Instagram will be more than happy to help. I've just volunteered her, by the way. I'm sure she'll love it. Um, I'm happy to help. <laughs> so guys, if you want to talk to me, reach out. Kyle will also be back at some point soon when he gets back from Italy. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Lisa, thank you for joining. Um, a good episode that hopefully gives lots of people some thought processes where maybe they're not wanting to admit it or maybe be a little bit more stubborn about tracking and stuff. But actually, data will give us all. So guys, thanks for listening. And I will see you next week.